Canto 9, Chapter 9, Verse 8. It yuktva sa nipa devam, tapasato sayachivam, kale nalpi asarajams, tasyeshaschas vatu shata. Translation After saying this, Bhagirat satisfied Lord Shiva by performing austerities. O King Parikshit, Lord Shiva is very quickly satisfied with Bhagirat. Report. The words Ashvaru Atushata indicate that Lord Shiva was satisfied very soon. Therefore, another name for Lord Shiva is Ashutosh. Materialistic persons become attached to Lord Shiva because Lord Shiva bestows benedictions upon anyone and everyone very quickly, not caring to know how his devotees prosper or suffer. Although materialistic persons know that material happiness is nothing but another side of suffering, they want it, and to get it very quickly, they worship Lord Shiva. We find that austerities are generally, materialists are generally devotees of many demigods, especially Lord Shiva and Mother Durga. They do not actually want spiritual happiness, for it is almost unknown to them. But if one is serious about being happy spiritually, he must take shelter of Lord Vishnu, as the Lord personally demands. Sarvatarmam parita jamame kamsharanam vija ahantam sarvapape bhamoksha ishyami Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender unto me. I shall deliver you from all sinful reaction. Do not fear. Mukam karati vachalam pangam langhai tegirim yakipam tamaham mande shikurum dinatavinam omagyana timiranda syagyananjana sharakaya chakshamiritam yena tasamai sri guravinamaha. So at the dawn of creation, Lord Vishnu glanced at Maya Devi, and within that glance, were the living entities, their karma, and time. And that glance was carried by Lord Shamhu, another name for Shiva, who then consorted with Durga to produce the unlimited universes with their varieties of living entities. Lord Mahavishnu expanded again into each universe as Garbhadakshai Vishnu, and Lord Shambhu, Shiva, Lord Shambhu expanded as Lord Shiva to accompany him. When the original living creature, Lord Brahma, decided to create, the four Kumaras manifested as the embodiments of four principles of knowledge. However, they did not share their father's urge for procreation, being renounced from birth. As Lord Brahma tried to suppress his anger, Lord Shiva, as Rudra, was born from between his eyebrows in a mixed blue and red color. So here we hear about three expansions of Lord Shiva. Shambhu is with Mahavishnu, then Shiva comes again as with uh, Gavadakshai Vishnu, and here the third time he is created by Lord Rama as Rudra. Sivairurata Devanam Purvajo Bhagavam Pava Namani Kurumetata Stanani Chajagakuro After his birth, he began to cry, Oh, destiny maker, teacher of the universe, Kindly designate my name and place. The all-powerful Brahma, who was born from the lotus flower, pacified the boy with gentle words, accepting his request, and said, Do not cry. I shall certainly do as you desire. 
Then Brahma said, O oh, chief of the demigods, you shall be called by the name Rudra by all people because you have so anxiously cried. Read Indriyani Asur Vyoma Vayur Akhnir Chalamahi Suryas Chandas Tapascheva Stalanan Yagrikitanite. My dear boy, I've already selected the following places for your residence the heart the senses, the air of life, the sky, the air, the fire, the water, the earth, the sun, the moon, and austerity. So how is Ruja, how do we see Shiva in each of these above places? So according to Prabhupada's explanation in um, the third canto of Shima Bhagavatam, uh, the creation of Ruja between the eyebrows of Brahma as a result of his anger coming from the mode of passion is partly touched by ignorance. And this is very significant. In Gita, we hear Kama Isha Krodha Isha, that Krodha, anger, is the product of Kama, or lust. And that's the result of the mode of passion. So when lust and hankering are unsatisfied, Krodha appears, which is the formidable enemy of the condition so, this most sinful and inimical passion is represented as ahankara, the false egocentric attitude of thinking oneself to be all in all. So this ahankara, we find Lord Shiva there, and ahankara. Um, this is described as very foolish in Bhagavad Gita. Um, so next place we find Lord Shiva is the heart. Um, anger is coming from the heart also. And this, this anger develops in the heart and is manifested through the senses, like the eyes, red eyes, the hands are clenched. Uh, and uh, he kicks his legs, he may kick also. So this is the proof of, of Ruja's presence in such places when somebody's kicking, when somebody's clenching his fist. This is a manifestation of Lord Shiva, he's living there. Air of life, when a man is angry, he breathes very rapidly. So, Rudra is represented in the activities of breathing, the air of life. The sky, when the sky is overcast with dense clouds and roars in anger, that's Lord Shiva. When the wind blows very fiercely, and this, then we see him in the air. And when the seawater is infuriated by the wind, it appears in a gloomy feature of Rudra. Very fearful. I used to live in Goa. And in the monsoon, you would see these waves uh, just like houses. And if you were there, you couldn't hear anything. It sounds just like you're on the runway of an airport uh, while the planes are taking off. Uh, so this is Lord Shiva. When fire is ablaze, we can experience the presence of Rudra. When there's an inundation over the earth, that is also Rudra. And earthly creatures, how is the earth represented by Lord Shiva? The snake, the tiger, and the lion are representations of Ruja. The sun, how is the sun represented of Shiva? When the sun is too hot and you get heat stroke, then that is Lord Shiva. When the moon is too cold, uh, then you may collapse. Austerity, many sages have done austerity, and yogis, philosophers, renouncers, exhibit their acquired power under the influence of the Rudra principle of anger. When, when, when the sages get angry, that's Lord Shiva. Dervasa, under the influence of this 
Ruja principle, picked a quarrel with Mahajambarish, and a Brahmana boy showed this principle, cursing King Pariksit. When the Ruja principle is exhibited by persons not engaged in devotional service, the angry person falls down from the peak of his improved position. The impersonalist, um, he is also, when he falls down, it is due to his false, unreasonable claim of being one with the Supreme. The impersonalist who claims to be God, this is the Ruja, this is Lord Shiva. So Lord Brahma continues speaking to Lord Shiva. Now accept all the names and places designated for you and your different wives. Now you're one of the masters, you can increase the population. So Lord Shiva created so many children just like him. And and they they started they were unlimited and they wanted to devour the whole universe. And when Brahma saw this, he became afraid. He said, Okay, okay, best of the demigods, no need for you to generate living entities like this. They've begun to devastate everything on all sides with the fiery flames from their eyes. And they even attacked me. And sometimes you have problems with your teenagers in the house. So uh, it all started with Lord Shiva's children. So Brahma said, just, just better you situate yourself in penance, which is auspicious for all living beings and which will bring all benediction upon you. By penance only, you can create this universe as it was before. So in creation, maintenance, and dissolution of this universe, the three deities, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, are in charge. Ruja was advised not to destroy, now it's time for creation and maintenance. Um, situate yourself in penance and wait for the time of dissolution, and we'll call for your services then. By penance only can you approach the Supreme Personality of Godhead in the heart of every being and beyond the reach of all senses. So if you see a picture of Lord Shiva, you'll see him always sitting in meditation for getting the favor of his Lord. So which Lord does Lord Shiva meditate on? Sankarshan. He's the source of his existence. So um, in the beginning of creation, the leaders of the sages and demigods decide to perform a sacrifice for the pleasure of Vishnu. But the sacrifice was disrupted due to Daksha's envy of Lord Shiva. So, um, here are some qualities of Lord Shiva that came out during this pastime. Shilavatam Shreshte. He's the best of the gentle because he's not envious of anyone. He's equal to all living entities and all other good qualities are present in his personality. The word Shiva means all auspicious. No one can be an enemy of Lord Shiva, for he is so peaceful and renounced. He does not even construct a house for his residence. He lives under a tree. Um, so how could anyone be envious of someone who is living under a tree? We're envious of someone who possesses opulence, is something we want, but Shiva has nothing material, although he has a wealth of spiritual knowledge. So one time, poverty. Uh, convinced Lord Shiva they should mail the house. So he built a house. He called the Brahmanas for a housewarming ceremony. And after the, the ceremony was over, he had nothing to give the Brahmanas except the house, so he gave the house away to the Brahmanas. So he went back underneath the tree. And he's there until today. This is our Lord Shiva. Um, he is also Chara Chara Guru. He's spiritual master of the entire world. 
He's near Vairam, free from enmity, Shantavigraham, peaceful personality, Atmaramam, always satisfied in himself. So, how is it possible Daksha could be inimical to such an auspicious personality? So what does it mean, these Sanskrit terms? Prabhupada explains, Sharachara Guru, spiritual master of all animate and inanimate objects. Bhutanat, worshipful deity of the dull-headed. Bhuta means ghosts also. So he takes charge of reforming persons who are ghosts and demons. If someone is having illicit sex at the wrong time of day, he'll send a ghost into the womb of that person. They'll get a chance to have a birth again. And also, he's, but he's the spiritual master of everyone, the dull, demonic, and also the highly learned Vaishnavas. Um, he's the greatest of all Vaishnavas. On the one hand, he's the worshipable object of the dull demons. On the other hand, he's the best of all Vaishnavas, devotees. And he has a sampradaya called the Rudra Sampradaya. And he's Atmarama, satisfied in meditation, Lord Sankrishan. So when people come to ask him for benedictions, this, this purport talks about that, how he gives them quickly. Um, he quickly gives them. That's why he has the name Ashutosh, quickly, easily satisfied. So Prabhupada said in a lecture in Vrindavan, 76, so many demons go to bother him. Give me this, give me that. And his name is Ashutosh. He gives immediately. All right, take it. Go away. Don't bother me. I'm trying to do, don't disturb my meditation. And so that's the reason he gives it quickly. Bhutanat, Lord of the common folk also. And uh, so different, not only the demons worship him, but materialistic people uh, attached to him because of his munificent gifts. Um, even without consideration of the after effects. There was Rikashura. Um, and Lord Shiva gave him the benediction that whoever's head you'll touch will split into pieces. So then Rikashura started wanted to try it on Lord Shiva himself, and Lord Shiva had to run. And But he was saved for Lord Vishnu. He was saved by Vishnu. Ravana. Ravana worshipped Lord Shiva. And uh, he was very attached. And uh, he became so powerful, he wanted to challenge Lord Ram. But when he fought with Ram, Lord Shiva didn't help him. Um, when Ravana was in trouble, Parvati said, this is again from a lecture of Prabhupada, why don't you help him? He's your devotee. Shiva replied, what can I do? He's offended Lord Ram. So Lord Shiva has a very powerful glance, also three eyes. Um, and this is in a purport from Bhagavatam. He can see past, present, and future. One of his eyes is like the sun. Another is like the moon. And his third eye between his eyebrows is like fire. So he can generate fire from his middle eye. And he's able to vanquish any powerful living entity, including Brahma. Yet, he doesn't live pompously in a nice house. Or does he possess any material properties? Although he's master of the material world. And so, again, he's, he also sees the good. Lord Shiva sees the good. He magnifies the good and ignores the bad. It is said a noble man accepts the good qualities of a person of doubtful character. Just as one accepts nectar from a stock of poison. So... And that way he's like Lord Krishna. Lord Krishna accepted Putin as his mother because she pretended to be an affectionate mother, allowing Krishna to suck her breast. But even though she gave her, him poison, he accepted her as mother. So the Lord accepts the least qualification of living entity. 
and awards him the highest reward. And Lord Shiva is also like that. Um, now, we might wonder, well, why does he smear himself, uh, wear, you know, a garland of skulls and all these things? So, Prabhupada answers these questions in Bhagavatam. Although no one in the material world is equal to or greater than Lord Shiva, and although his unimpeachable character is followed by great souls to dismantle the mass of nations, nevertheless he remains as if, as if a devil to give salvation to all devotees of the Lord. So what does Lord Shiva teach us by his behavior? In a purport in 3rd Canto, 14th chapter, Prabhupada says, Lord Shiva's uncivilized devilish characteristics are never abominable because he teaches the sincere devotees of the Lord how to practice detachment from material enjoyment. So he teaches us detachment. He is called Mahadev, or the greatest of all demigods, and no one is equal to or greater than him in the material world. He's almost equal to Lord Vishnu. Although he is always associates with Maya, Durga, he's above the reactionary stage of the three modes, the material nature. And though, although he's in charge of devilish characters in the mode of ignorance, he's not affected by such association. Then again, 314, um, 29, demigods like Brahma follow the religious rites observed by him. He's controller of the material energy, which causes creation of the material world. He is great and his devilish characteristics are simply imitation. His renunciation is an ideal example of how one should be materially unattached. One should therefore follow in his footsteps and be unattached to matter, not imitate his uncommon acts like drinking poison. So he came to bless the Prachetas and he gave them a beautiful prayer to sing in um, glorification of Vishnu or Krishna. So Krishna is known as Bhaktavatsala, and Lord Shiva is known as Dharmavatsala. This is from 4th Canto, 24th chapter. Dharmavatsala refers to a person who lives according to religious principles. Um, and also Lord Shiva has to deal with persons who are in the modes of passion and ignorance. They're not always very religious and pious, but since they worship Lord Shiva for some material profit, they sometimes obey the religious principles. As soon as Lord Shiva sees his devotees are following religious principles, then he blesses them. The Prachetas were very pious and gentle, so Lord Shiva immediately was pleased with them. Now, sometimes people criticize, he lives in filthy places. Uh, this is Daksha criticizing Shiva. He lives in filthy places like crematoriums. His companions are ghosts and demons, naked like a madman, sometimes laughing, sometimes crying. He smears crematorium ashes all over his body. He does not bathe regularly, and he ornaments his body with a garland of skulls and bones. Therefore, only in name is he Shiva or auspicious. Actually, he's the most mad and inauspicious creature. Thus, he's very dear to crazy beings in the gross mode of ignorance, and he is their leader. Now, Prabhupada explains in the purport, those who not, do not regularly bathe are supposed to be in association with ghosts and crazy creatures. Lord Shiva appeared to be like that, but his name Shiva is actually fitting, for he's very kind to persons who are in darkness of the mode of ignorance. Mm. Such as unclean drunkards who do not regularly bathe. Lord Shiva is so kind he gives shelter to such creatures and gradually elevates them to spiritual consciousness. Although it's very difficult to raise such creatures, 
to spiritual understanding, Lord Shiva takes charge of them. Then in the Vedas, it says Lord Shiva. That's why he's all auspicious. By his association, even such fallen souls can be elevated. Sometimes it is seen great personalities meet with fallen souls, not for any personal interest, but for the benefit of those souls. In the creation of the Lord, there are different kinds of living creatures. Some are in goodness, some in passion, some in ignorance. Lord Vishnu takes charge of persons who are advanced Krishna conscious Vaishnavas. Lord Rama takes charge of persons attached to material activities. Lord Shiva is so kind. He takes charge of persons in gross ignorance whose behavior is lower than that of the animals. Therefore, he is very auspicious. Mm. Unfortunate foolish persons, not knowing he's engaged in his own self, laugh at him. Such foolish persons engage in maintaining the body with dresses, ornaments, garlands, and ointments. So why does Lord Shiva dress like he does? What is, what is behind this? Here is the reason. Lord Shiva never accepts any luxurious dress, garland, ornament, or ointment, but those who are addicted to decoration of the body, which is eatable by dogs, very luxuriously maintain it as the self. Such persons do not understand Lord Shiva, but they approach him for luxurious material comforts. The real purpose of Lord Shiva is to serve the soul of the soul, Lord Krishna. He desires that all luxurious articles like nice garments, garlands, ornaments, and cosmetics be given to Lord Krishna only because Krishna is the real enjoyer. He refuses to accept such luxurious items himself because they're only meant for Krishna. However, since they do not know this purpose of Lord Shiva, foolish persons either laugh at him or prophetlessly try to imitate him. So we should learn from this hmm, Lord Shiva, don't judge by externals. So what are some more good qualities um, of Lord Shiva? Well, he was cursed by Daksha not to have a share in the sacrificial um, performances they were doing. And Prabhupada said this was uh, um, due to the curse of Daksha, he was deprived of his share. The Vishnati Chakravati comments that this, he was saved from the, he was saved, sorry, from the calamity of taking part with other demigods who were all materialistic. Lord Shiva is the greatest devotee of Krishna, not fitting for him to eat or sit with materialistic persons like the demigods. So the curse of Daksha was a blessing indirectly, for he wouldn't have to eat or sit with other demigods who were too materialistic. Prabhu gives the example of Gorky Shordas Babaji, he used to sit by the side of a latrine to chant Hare Krishna. Materialistic people would come and bother him and disturb his daily routine of chanting. So to avoid their company, he used to sit by the side of a latrine. Um, so, but he was so great, he was accepted by uh, the spiritual master of such great personality, uh, but uh, such a, as as um, Shia Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati. So, Shiva's excellent character is described when they started cursing and counter cursing in that, and that during that sacrifice, he he did not say a thing. A Vaishnava is always tolerant, he just tolerated, and he's considered the topmost Vaishnava, so his character is excellent. He became aroused because he knew these people, both his men and Dakshas, were unnecessarily cursing and counter-cursing one another, without any interest in spiritual life. From this point of view, he did not see anyone as lower or higher, because he is a Vaishnava. So then he left the sacrifice. Um, Prabhupada was similarly very tolerant. One, in 1975, Sri Prabhupada was flying from Kenya to South Africa for
for the first time on the same plane was the South African football team who had just won a game and were celebrating. They were drinking, smoking, and, and although he was in a non-smoking part, uh, the stewardess requested them to stop smoking, which they did, but then they soon started smoking again. So Pushta Krishna got up to tell them, but Prabhupada said, where are you going? Pushta said, well, they're smoking. Prabhupada said, sit down. So Prabhupada looked him in the eye and said, what is the difference between them and us if we cannot tolerate? He was undisturbed. So we should follow Lord Shiva's example, always meditating on the Lord. Um, uh, but the purport says, if one is serious about being happy spiritually, he must take shelter of Lord Vishnu, as the Lord personally demands. And he quotes this verse, Sarvadharma Pitya just surrender to me. Prabhupada translated this verse in many different ways, um, according to time, place, and circumstance. And um, although the verse says, abandon all varieties of religion and surrender to me, Prabhupada translated at one time, um, you rascal, give up all your nonsense and surrender it to me. This is Krishna's very good mercy. Another time, Srila Prabhupada translated, my dear sons, why are you rotting in this miserable world? You come to me, I'll give you all protection. You are the son of the Supreme, so you can enjoy life very supremely, very magnificently, without any death. Why are you rotting? That is Krishna's mercy. Nectar devotion, it says, one may think that because he's surrendering to the Supreme Personality of God, he'll not be able to perform all his other obligations. But the Lord says repeatedly, don't hesitate. Don't consider that because you're giving up all other engagements, there will be some flaw in your life. Don't think like that. I'll give you all protection. Here's another translation. Don't remain like cats and dogs. Be intelligent. Come back to me. So it's the duty of a devotee of Krishna to spread this knowledge so they may take to Krishna. Here's another translation. Give up this searching for your happiness in your own way by transmigrating from one kind of life to another, one position to another. Just take shelter of me and I'll take charge of you. So this is the whole proposition of Bhagavad Gita. One has to give up searching for happiness according to his own plan. And he has to submit himself to Krishna who will take charge and he'll give you all happiness that you desire. In Brahma Samhita it is said destiny can be changed by Krishna for his devotees. If one is condemned to death, Krishna can check it. Otherwise, it's a lie when Krishna says, Aham tvam sarapapebyo, I shall protect you. So we should learn um, from Lord Shiva how to meditate. He is the greatest devotee. We can accept him as, as guru also, but um, don't worship him for material things. Um, just see him in relation to Krishna, and then your worship will be perfect. But best is to worship Lord Vishnu, as Prabhupada says in the purport. Um, so I'll stop here if there's any questions or comments, then we can answer them at this time. Hi, Krishna. Thank you so much. I'm really so uh, inspired to see how you quote from Sri Prabhupada books. Like canto after canto, you just pick wherever the reference to Lord Shiva is there. One after another, it was just continuously going. So it was so wonderful and inspiring to see how you study Shil Prabhupada books and assimilate and present it. <laughs> and especially, like, yeah, picking up words like Chara Chara Guru Mandana, Sri Lavatam Shreshte, like going nook and corner wherever Lord Krishna, Lord Vishnu, Lord Shiva is described and uh, bringing assimilating it all and presenting it to us. Thank you very much.
and also especially I I, I like that point. I have what you started like how you said uh, who's Lord Shambhu that uh, the the glands of Lord Vishnu uh, as like you mentioned that that is an expansion of Shambhu. So is it or uh, like I was just unclear when you said that yeah. is the glands of no. Lord Vishnu is uh, Lord no. Shambhu? No. He carried the glands to Maya. Uh, that's described in Brahma Samhita, that Lord Shambhu carried the glands of Vishnu, and with that glance he impregnated uh, Durga, Maya. He impregnated Durga. The glance in the glance was the seed of the living entities, and the glance was time, and the glance was karma. And Lord Shiva expanded from Mahavishnu. It's described, it was like a halo, like a, he's a reflection of the glance, and he carried the glance. So Lord Vishnu didn't touch Durga. Lord Shiva carried the seed, like Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, that I am the seed of all living entities. In the 14th chapter, he says that. Aham bija pradapita. I'm the father, I'm the seed. Father gives the seed. So Krishna gave the seed, Vishnu gave the seed, but Lord Shiva carried it and gave it to Maya by consorting with her. Thank you. I, I just had another question. Like when you said uh, Lord Brahma, uh, that Rudra, uh, you explained three different expansions that you listed. Yeah. And you also said like uh, Rudra came from Lord Brahma. Mm -hmm. And especially uh, there is a tinge of more of ignorance in that creation because he came from the anger of Brahma. Exactly. So is it the Rudra principle is touched by ignorance? Uh, because we also yes. say Lord Shiva is Chadachara Guru. He is the spiritual master of all living entities, moving and non-moving. Right. So uh, on one side he is a spiritual master and the other side his words is, we say it's tinged with ignorance. So how do we understand that? Yeah, um, well, he's he's not, uh, as it, it was explained in one of the purports, that he's not affected by the reactions of passion and ignorance. But tinged means he's in control of it. He's the controller. He's the master of it. So tinged, uh, it doesn't mean that he's affected. Although he's dealing with ignorance, he's, he's detached. He's not affected by it. He's the controller. He's the controller of maya. He's controller of ignorance. Um, yes. Even um, Lord Sankarshan is sometimes called Tamasi. If we look in the fifth canto, uh, you know, there is, he gets angry at the end of the Brahma's life and destroys the universe. So he's also tinged, but he's not really tinged. It's under control. So when you come to the mode of goodness, you may be tinged with passion and ignorance, but it's under control. It's balanced because you're in the mode of goodness. And you use those modes uh, as is necessary when it's at the right time. Like when it's the right time for destruction, then he uses that ignorance mode. Uh, he's not affected by it. Thank you. Uh, I just had one follow from your answer. You said like uh, Lord Anantadeva was also called as Tamasi. And uh, at the time Sakrishan. of destruction, he becomes gets angry. He yeah, he gets angry. Yeah. And also in the fifth canto, it is mentioned there are eleven rudras who come out from his anger. Yes. At um, the time, so is that rudra different from the rudra whom we see from Lord Brahma, or it's uh, there's? Um, I'm not so sure about that. But as far as I know, 
Um, he's one of the eleven Rudras. I would have to look that up. Um, I could try, let's see, it's in 5th Canto, 25th chapter, um, 1. It might be explained there. Whoops, zero. I did wrong here. 25th chapter, verse 1. Okay. So let's see what, what it says in the 5th Canto, because that's where it says, um, mm -hmm. Expansion of Lord Vishnu, known as Ananta, or Lord Sankarshan, He's transcendental, but because he's worshipped by Lord Shiva, the deity of Tamogun, he is sometimes called Tamasi. Lord Ananta is the predominating deity of the material mode of ignorance, as well as the false ego of all conditioned souls. When a conditioned living being thinks, I am the enjoyer, this world is meant to be enjoyed by me, this conception of life is dictated to him by Sankarshan. So see, there's the connection. Because he's worshipped, Sankarshan is worshipped by Shiva, he's called Tamasi although he's transcendental. Now, uh, 11 Rujas, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know exactly where that reference would be in Bhagavatam, at, at, uh, probably in the 12th canto. Um, yeah. Oh, here we go. Uh, at the time of destruction, when Lord Anantadev decides to destroy the entire creation, he becomes slightly angry. This is from 5th canto, 25th, verse 3. Then from between his eye, two eyebrows appears three-eyed Rudra carrying a trident. This Rudra, who is known as Sankarshan, is the embodiment of the eleven Rudras, or incarnations of Lord Shiva. He appears in order to devastate the entire creation. So the eleven, so he's not one of the eleven. It says here in the purport, the eleven Rudras, expansions of Lord Shiva, come out of Sankarshan's eyebrows, and all of them together devastate. So he's the origin of the eleven Rudras. They're expansions of, of Lord Shiva. And here, Prabhupada says, 11 Rujas, expansions of Lord Shiva. Hmm. Thank you, Mother I also see other devotees had raised their hands. Okay. Uh, Adipuch Prabhu, would you like to add something? Or Athena? Second, yeah, uh, of course it's obvious, but I hear we're glorifying Lord Shiva abundantly because he's qualified to assist Mother Ganges to come down, and uh, ultimately, the Bhagavatam class, we're uh, here to glorify Krishna. So, Krishna is so wonderful, how wonderful is Krishna that he's um, making an arrangement for every aspect of the creation um, from every strata with every quality um, the Lord is there within between every atom and he's arranging uh, by his representatives or by himself directly uh, here for us to uplift us to guide us and to help us to be um, devotees so we want to express our gratefulness to Krishna for that right hmm. yes Krishna. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Yes. Hare Krishna. My name is, my name is William. Um, oh, you can, can you see this? I um, I just wanted to say back in two thousand, was it two thousand four? Back in two thousand four, 
I had stopped studying with Jehovah's Witnesses and I was walking down Avenue B. And I and I uh, smelled something coming out of uh, a temple. I didn't know it was a temple at first. It was this aroma that just drew just drew me in. And I and I found um, the monks walking around, Krishna's devotees, <laughs> and they were chanting uh, Krishna Maha Mantra. And I just I know I heard it one time. My father said it in the house. And uh, it just lit up the house. He said, "Hi, Krishna." But he was, you know, he was playing. And I was like, "Oh, he's like, saying stuff." So we were like, "Okay." Um, but uh, I asked the devotee, you know, uh, "What is it? What does it mean?" And honestly, I forgot what he said. But I was attracted to Lord Shiva and Lord uh, Ganesha, and I asked if I could have them, and. Uh, gave them to me hmm. um, I was I said that I felt like I was floating on air when I walked into the temple hmm. and I, I couldn't feel the ground I told them <laughs> I, I felt like like there was a cloud under my feet and hmm. that the aroma was so um, I have no idea what you're talking about all right, so I'm gonna end. It. I'm gonna end it here. I'll let someone else say something. But thank you so much. I've always wanted to know more about uh, <laughs> Shiva. Yeah, now, now you know. Hare Krishna, Narayani, Mataji, Dantavat Pranams. Hare Krishna. I always, Hare Krishna. I always really look forward to your classes. I appreciate your presentation style and your ability to speak so fluidly. I actually thought you were reading from a purport, so I was trying to find the verse and then realized that you were just speaking um, from the heart and, and just uh, so fluidly, so that was very impressive. Uh, I had a, a question just as a follow-up to one of your answers to Garsham Prabhu. And um, I, I'm learning um, a little bit more about Lord Shiva um, through, I guess, this section. Um, and as the Bhagavan Teach speakers speak more about it, uh, I don't. I have very limited knowledge. Um, so, if you could please help clarify and um, correct my understanding, um, we understand that Lord Shiva is the. He's in charge of uh, ign- uh, excuse me, uh, destruction. He's just destroyer. And um, as Lord Brahma is for creation, missions, maintenance, and uh, Lord Shiva is for um, destruction, but. I was always um, quite curious because there's four types of annihilation, Mm. um, constant, occasional, Mm -hmm. material, and final. And um, at the very core, it sounds like even Lord Krishna is in charge of that and understood that Shiva is delegated um, certain responsibilities. But, for example, I think you mentioned that um, Lord Shiva is the one that destroys the three planetary systems when Brahma goes to sleep and because he's angry, so it happens every time. But even something like the final, the, the material annihilation, that's, Mahavishnu is just breathing back in, so he's just destroying everything material just by his breath. So Lord Shiva isn't doing anything. Again, that's 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 done by Lord Vishnu, Mahavishnu. And then um, I, I just recently learned that Lord Shiva, I guess he could, 
give liberation, but only impersonal liberation. Um, but my thought process again was, if um, avidya is the root problem, ignorance, then only the Lord can bestow true liberation. And I guess from a Gaudiya Vaishnava perspective, which is personal liberation, only Krishna can give the Vaikuntha liberation, um, because we're not interested in the Brahma Jyoti liberation, which I guess Shiva is um, right. in charge of. But either way, um, if you could help clarify my understanding, it sounded like although uh, Shiva was in charge of destruction, really it sounds like even these, um, you know, being free from the constant birth and death, liberation, that you must have bhakti. Only bhakti can get you out of the material world and true liberation, which so therefore it's only Krishna can do. And then material annihilation, again, is just destroyed by Krishna's breathing. Um, and then I just learned it, I guess, occasional is where is it Shiva does it. So I'm just confused about his act, Shiva's actual role in destruction, given that three out of the four really sounds like it's Krishna. So is Shiva only in charge of occasional annihilation? Is that his only role in, the, in, in, in destruction and annihilation? Thank you so much. Um, no, he's, he's with all of them. Um, the the um, occasional and, and the, also the, the annihilation of the elements, because I just read from 5th Canto, 25th chapter, uh, he's an instrument, so he's involved. Anantadev, it's the desire of Ananta or Krishna. Ananta is an expansion of Krishna, so he desires. Lord Shiva carries it out. He desires from out of his two eyebrows appear Rudra and then um, 11 Rudras. Uh, Lord Shiva, uh, the 11 Rudras come. So he's like the instrument, but the desire is, is carried out. The Lord desires. He doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to do anything, but he desires. Then he has his instrument. So Shiva's his instrument uh, for destruction. Now the, um, the final annihilation is also Lord Shiva can be involved. He can give you um, uh, devotion because he has his sampradaya. There's the Rudra Sampradaya, which is about devotional service. The four Kumaras learned that. If you go to the beginning of Third Canto, you see there's a disciplic succession from um, Sankarshan, uh, and then it's going to the four Kumaras, and then it goes to Maitreya, uh, who's teaching Vidura. He was in that Sampradaya of the Rudra Sampradaya. Um, and uh, so this is, uh, he's also involved in liberating people, uh, bringing them to bhakti. I have one example uh, from my experience. Uh, one devotee, one Indian devotee, when I was in India in Bombay, he used to worship Lord Shiva every day, climbing two miles up to the top of a mountain. And Lord Shiva was pleased with him and he brought him to the devotees and he became a devotee. Uh, yeah, that's what that, that person said. And also constant annihilation where the, the body is disintegrating. Lord Shiva is in there because uh, time, he's a representative of time. He's a representative of Kalabhairav. Lord Shiva is representative of time. He's the instrument of time as well. And so, uh, yes, he's, he's involved in all four types. Although Vishnu is the desire of Vishnu, carried out by Shiva. And Vishnu doesn't really get involved too much. Uh, but he has his servants and they carry out his desires. Thank you for that explanation. If I could just say it back to you and confirm my understanding. Um, 
so because Shiva is the um, uh, the demigod of the shelter for the yogis, um, therefore he by himself can give impersonal Brahmin liberation. Right. However, his assistance for um, personal liberation is that if you're sincere and seeking that, then he will guide you to Krishna and devotional service. So his yes. hand is making you a devotee or mm-hmm. bringing you in contact with devotees. So thank you, I understood. Um, and then with the constant birth and death, um, it's interesting because I th- I think Bhagavad Gita says Krishna's time I am, so Krishna's I mean. time. Mm-hmm. But perhaps Shiva is as well, and therefore yeah. his energy is what destroys the body. Is, is that it? Or um, well, he is the efficient agent for time. Yeah, she is, is he is the instrument of time. And so therefore okay. he's also called time, Kalabhairav. Understood. So Krishna is time, but then he is the um, agent for time. Yeah. That's okay. why he's also called time. <laughs> Thank you. No, uh, I'm, I'm just to clarify my understanding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And finally, with the material annihilation, um, Krishna, you're saying, uh, I guess Lord Vishnu desires it, but somehow um, he, Krishna desires it, and then it's Lord Shiva who carries it out. And then mm-hmm. um, just in Mahavishnu's breath in, they just come back into his pores, but the actual, I guess, instrument in the annihilation first before it moves back into Krishna's mm-hmm. or Mahavishnu's pores. Or while, is, is while it's going, while it's going. <laughs> uh, I see. Well, okay. So he's just an instrument either way. It sounds like ultimately nothing can be done without Krishna. Um, Vishnu. It's actually, I mean, Krishna's enjoying. He doesn't bother. It's Vishnu <laughs> who has to do with this material world. Uh, Krishna's expansion as Vishnu. Right, right. Uh, thank you. Um, so he's he's just a he. It's like a, he's a helper in the in the material oh, yeah. annihilation. That's right. Um, fantastic. So I think it's very clear that either way, ultimately everything is done by the will of, of Vishnu. Mm-hmm. But he is the agent of time, even though Krishna represents time. But he, time, I, uh, but he's the efficient agent of time. Um, final liberation he gives um, either impersonal or he brings. Um, the person to do devotees and gives mm-hmm. devotional service. Um, I guess he actually is the one that destroys the three planetary systems when mm-hmm. Brahma is sleeping for mm-hmm. occasional annihilation. Mm-hmm. And then for material annihilation, while the Maha Vishnu is breathing in, he has his own hand in this annihilation and is just part of it, of the process. Mm-hmm. That's right. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Hare Krishna. Okay. <laughs> for taking out your time on association, giving your association. We really hope and pray that uh, there were your uh, next destination uh, <laughs> from Ireland that we, we can continue to hear from you if the time zone matches. Yeah. So I'll be in Alachua uh, for two weeks, for the first two weeks of um, July, and then I go to Hawaii on the 16th, and then the time zone won't match. Because it'll be, it'll be two o'clock in the morning. I'll be in touch with you to. Hmm? <laughs> I'll be in touch with you to check which dates work. Yeah, for and now I'll, I'll leave Hawaii September thirtieth for two and a half months. I'll be out of range. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, August. Mother Narayani, Devi Ki, Jai. Shri Prabhupada Ki. Thank you so much, Paul. Hare Krishna. Thank you. Hare Krishna. See you tomorrow. Thank you.